I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Slavin. Philip, I think this is the first time we've recorded a podcast where we are in the offseason for Oklahoma State sports entirely now. We yeah, have nothing until the end of August for our first football game. Yeah, JP, this is, this is now you can say it's the offseason. It's officially yep. the offseason. No more nitpicking. It's it's done. No, no offseason for us, though. we got to keep this thing rolling. Apparently. I don't, uh, allegedly, I don't, we have I don't, to. That's what we were told. So. Yeah. So how are things going, man? Now that now that the off season, you know, how are you feeling? I mean, I'm fine now. I was pretty upset when uh, I was upset when when game three ended, yep. um, and primarily because I, I was ready to lose the game. It's not that they lost that upset me. It was going up by two runs and then blowing that lead. And then getting to the ninth inning and having two on and, and three guys come up to bat, a chance to tie or take the lead, but that did not happen. It was just I, I went in with accepting that we would probably lose. And that's not because I didn't think we could win. It's just OSU is what, one and nine in the last ten against Texas Tech in baseball. It just Texas Tech is really, really damn good. They're just really darn good. I thought that it would be close. But I, what I was trying to make sure is that I didn't get my hopes up. And I got my hopes up, and it crushed me a bit. And I was, you know, it was emotional. I'm fine now. I'm good. It was a great season. Had a lot of fun. There were some really big moments. I'm really glad they, get, they got back to the Super Regional. Uh, screw the NCAA for matching up the two best Big 12 teams that only one advanced. But they've got four SEC teams because, um, But, you know, it is what it is. I was really proud that not only – I think it was game two, uh, you not only watched the Oklahoma State game, Texas Tech, I and mean, I know you're not a huge college or just baseball in general guy, but you watched that Duke-Vanderbilt game, didn't you? Oh, oh, I did. When Kumar Rocker went and just shoved oh. it up Duke's ass for an entire game. I've never seen – I don't – I'm not a huge baseball fan, but no hitters are one of the most impressive things in sports, period. And to see it in college, that kid was dealing. And I don't know what was scarier, his performance or his mom sitting up in the stand with a broken pinky wrapped up, sticking up the air, and the stare that she had on her son that was just like, damn, straight boy, don't you screw up. Like, I was afraid she'd take that broken pinky and beat the shit out of me if she had the chance to. (laughs) And then he played that way, and you're just like, that family is 
going places. Yeah. So if anyone needs perspective of what we're talking about here with a Duke Vanderbilt game, Kumar Rocker, who's a freshman pitcher for Vanderbilt, went out, struck out 19 in that game. If you need any perspective on how impressive that is, the most strikeouts in a game in MLB history in a no-hitter is 17. So he was absolutely dominant. And he was a guy that came out last season, uh, came to Vanderbilt, uh, likely would have been a first-round pick, or probably a top-five pick in the Major League Baseball draft last season had his commitment not been so strong and his signing demands been so high. Uh, He got drafted pretty much as a, in like the 38th round, pretty much as a, hey, you know, do you want to come and play? And he said, no, I'm going to Vanderbilt, and now you see why. He is that good, and in two years, he will be the number one pick. Book it now. In 2021, Kumar Rocker will be the first guy off the board. Uh, There's a nice segue there. You and I have been talking off air about Oklahoma State's baseball's recruiting, and you said there's a guy who, or kid who will be in this upcoming class who you thought would be a, like, top five round pick who who wasn't. Yeah, so Bryce Osmond, uh, I think I talked about him on your part, on the 10-12 as well, about a guy that, because uh, I think we talked after uh, day two, I believe is when uh, our conversation happened. And Bryce Osmond's out of Jinx, Oklahoma. He's a pitcher and an outfielder. He's probably going to do both at Oklahoma State, but predominantly I think he'll get his action on the mound. And really, really good stuff, really projectable, great potential. And he was seen by... Baseball America, MLB Pipeline, uh, other perfect game that he was a top 40 or 50 prospect in all of baseball and that was draft eligible. That's college and high school, not just as a prep guy. And he kept falling and falling and falling. And legitimately, people thought he would be a second round guy, maybe even end of the first round in the sandwich rounds. And he just kept falling. Day two rolls around, and which is rounds three through 10, and he didn't go. Rounds 11 through 40 go on day three. And I was expecting maybe a team to kind of do what they did with Kumar Rocker and draft him late in that 35th to 40 round range and just see if they can get him. And that didn't happen either. So that tells me one of two things. Either he had pretty decent signing demands, which a team didn't want to meet, which happens sometimes with some of these high school guys that are very good that maybe want to try and get a little bit more because why not go, go get your money. And I don't blame people for doing that. Or two, his commitment to Oklahoma State is extremely strong, and it maybe turned teams off from trying to sway him because they knew they probably weren't going to, so they didn't want to exert the effort and time and money. But I think that's a good thing for Oklahoma State because Josh Holiday does a great job of recruiting, but sometimes the guys that he goes and recruits are so good that they end up going pro right out of high school in those first couple rounds. So to see a guy with a strong commitment to Oklahoma State, in my estimation, that is going to be the front of this class, and he will be a weekend starter for Oklahoma State with Brett Stanley next year, week one, it's going to be extremely important, especially with the new stadium and all the hype that's going to kind of surround the program uh, next season. It's going to be massive to have a guy like that as a freshman leading the class. Yeah, that's – I've known that about Holiday for a while. He's, he gets a lot of guys committed, and then they all they all go pro. And it's just, I mean, it's it's hard. And if you're, if OSU is getting to the point where they can get some of those guys to decide they want to go, they want to play at OSU and and wait a few years. And you see how many guys in college are going, you know, they they've come to college and now instead of just being a, an early round pick, they're a they're a first round pick, a top ten pick. I, I think they're, I, I forget who I was talking to about this. Basically, the, people are starting to see benefits 
of going to college in in baseball. And I think that's good. I mean, that's good for the just college baseball in general. If you have more talent coming to the sport, it makes the sport better and more watchable, which is exciting. Yeah, and I think it was. I think Baseball America put out an article that uh, fifty-one of the first seventy-eight guys taken in the MLB draft were college guys, and that's the highest number in. I don't. I don't even know how long. It's been a long time. You see a lot more high school guy. You see a lot more high school guys usually than college. Were a pretty even split. But for it to be that drastic of a jump for college players tells me that, A, the college game is improving, which is good. And I think it has, even since I've been in college, the game seems to be a lot better. And I think that's because you're seeing more guys tending to go to college and play ball for three years and get better and then go get more money in the draft in a few years than they would going in the 27th round out of high school, going like the fifth or sixth in college. Yeah, that's big. That's big for the sport. That's awesome. Right, if so, you're a fan of the sport or you want to grow the sport and get more fans, that's and that's important. I mean, yeah, you yeah, want exactly. to watch the best. So, yeah, I mean, you look at a guy like Adley Rutschman, and I don't think he's signed yet, but his slot value for his pick, he immediate he got drafted in the 40th round, kind of as a courtesy as a local guy by the Seattle Mariners, goes to Oregon, Oregon State, becomes the first round pick, and his slot value is now eight and a half million dollars. I'd say that he made a pretty good decision. Yeah. All right, that's enough. That's enough baseball draft talk. We're going to get All right, sounds good. So We want people to listen have, to this podcast. But, yeah, I know. But, you know, like I said, if you want to follow my other baseball stuff, follow Royals Farm. You can go and check me out over there. But Plug. You, uh, yeah, it, shamelessly, I don't, I don't give a shit. Um, you had a tweet the other day that yeah. I think you kind of want to clear the air up about. And All right. I will let you have the floor. All right, so let me, let me just say, after the loss, I, as I've talked about, I got hopeful um, and had my hope dashed from me. And and I made the mistake I tend not to do, which is I tweeted while emotional. Uh, it's two times you should never tweet, text, or social media post. Um, it's when you're overly emotional or when you're drunk. You know, there's obviously I made the mistake. Sometimes those go hand in hand with Oklahoma State sports. Uh, yeah, I made the mistake of tweeting while I was emotional. And my tweet was, you know, failed two-point conversion, blown one-stroke lead, blown two-run lead. It's been a rough season to be a Cowboy fan. My mistake in saying it's been a rough season, it has not been a rough season. I mean, it was a rough football and basketball season. But as especially this spring, it's been awesome to watch the golf team be as good as it is. It's been awesome to watch the highs of the baseball team. It was awesome to watch the softball team go to the college sports leaders. It's been a really fun spring to be an Oklahoma state fan. And I should have worded it differently. I should have said that it's the focus was on. There's been some really rough endings for Oklahoma state this season, some really gut wrenching endings, but I said, it's been a rough season. I had a few people on Twitter justly. And I will, I will say this. They rightly ripped me for it. Rex and the chief brought up. There was a lot of really high points this season. I will admit the tweet was worth wrongly worded. I, I will take full responsibility for it in my emotional state. Now, for those at the end who were calling out my OSU fandom, whether they were calling me a pansy or calling me, and I believe the quote was, um, you're an aides to the fan base. I've never you been are, called. You are individual aides, apparently. Yes, I am I am aides to the fan base because of my tweet, which I thought was just brilliant. Um, <laughs> God, I need to find it so I can get the actual one. I don't even know what's there anymore. That's not the point. The point is... Yeah, you are AIDS to this fan base. I am AIDS. That's what I was told. Anyways, point is, look, I made a dumb tweet, and I'll own up to it. Um, 
if you want to question my my fandom, me as a fan, let me just let me just put this in the air. I spent four years living in Norman as a diehard Oklahoma State fan who wore orange proudly. Don't ever thank, come thank at you me for your service about my fandom for the bullshit I put up with in Norman as an Oklahoma State fan. Okay, don't ever come at me. I wore my orange proudly. I did not hide in the shadows. I did not cower. Do not come at me as a, about a fan. Like, and most of these people who have said this probably have never listened to this podcast, had never seen my Twitter before, have nothing about me. They saw one tweet and also got emotional about what I said. And it's fine. I understand that. Just don't ever, you can say a lot of stupid things about me. If you want to question me as a fan, which I always think questioning someone's fandom is the dumbest thing. Like, what oh, yeah. do you question? Everyone's a different kind of fan. Not everyone's the same kind of fan. Like, don't question fandom. Like, if you want to be a bandwagon fan of something, that's fine. I am a Man City fan because I needed a soccer team and I wanted to have one team I knew would win on a regular basis. I'm a Man City fan. I will own up to that fact. I really like them. But I'm a diehard Oklahoma State fan. If you have a problem with that or, or disagree, <laughs> go blow it out yours. <laughs> You are AIDS to the fan base. You are AIDS. That is the best dumb thing. I, I there's like, no way he listens to the podcast. No, there's no way. chance. I'd also there's like to no point chance. out everybody who called me out as like, I can't believe you would say something like this. I can't wait to see if I took the time to go back into your Twitter accounts during football season. I'm sure I would see some things oh, calling out the team and Mike Gundy because you didn't like decisions that were made. Or say basketball season. Or no, any football, baseball. Football. Like, no one, football no one, too. people weren't mad during basketball season. You got seven players, what are you going to do? That's fair. That's fair. Such yeah. is the off season. That's, you know, so, this is the time to talk about stupid things like this. Exactly. We, we got to fill up airtime any way we possibly can. But before we move on to more of us blabbering about for here a little while, if you're still listening, we'll be back after a word from our sponsor. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg. This is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, what, what the hell do you want to talk about now? Uh, uh, if you don't know, it is the off season, and that means it's time to look forward to football season. And what better way to do so than discussing the fact that Vegas has begun putting out betting lines uh, and has put out everything for week one, or at least week one games that matter, including Oklahoma State at Oregon State on Friday night. All right. What are, what are we looking at here? Uh, OSU is a 17-point favorite of there in Corvallis. Okay. I mean, I can see that Oregon State is uh, the inferior orange and black OSU when it comes to football. So I'd, I'd say that that's a decent line. It's not. It's not not. It, Oregon State's defense is awful. Yeah. Like, off. it's a Friday night. It's open. It's season opener. Both teams are going to have some dust. To, to brush off their shoulder and some some kings to work out, but 17 points. That's why. Uh, like, I know it's two power five teams, but I do think people are a little down on Oklahoma State because of last season. And I know there's a new OC and the new offensive line coach and a new starting quarterback and replacing the entire defensive line. I just, 
you know, Oregon State's defense was god-awful. Like, they can score points. And I think that's the only reason it's as close as it is, is basically people think OSU will score a ton of points and Oregon State will score a lot of points and OSU will win by a roughly 17. And Vegas is usually pretty good at this stuff. But, I mean, I'll take the... I'll take OSU in that, and I'll I'll by seventeen. I'll take that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think for right now, I don't think it's that bad of a line. But obviously, things are going to change, and we're going to know more going into fall camp. And I'm sure that that line will move. But for right now, I'll take that going into the off going into you know the next couple months. I'll, I'll take that. It gives me a little bit of confidence going into it. This is also the time of year where you're just we get to cover recruiting ad nauseum, and I'm like, 2020 kids, yay, yay. All right. Well, I, I kind of the next topic I wanted to hit was so Curtis Jones. Obviously, he went into the transfer portal and committed to Penn State, and that's where he's headed this year. Possibly could see him in the NIT tip off. I don't. I don't. That's the sound of somebody going into the portal. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. Um, I don't think we ever really talked about this too much on the podcast, but how much of a loss do you really think Curtis Jones could be? Because he wouldn't, I don't think he was going to start, and he was very streaky off the bench. I feel like he probably, I don't know how much his minutes would increase because there's more than seven guys on the team now. They are scholarship and they can actually play. Why? How much do you I, think Oklahoma State's going to miss him legitimately? I, I mean, I think like we, we'd miss like two or, you know, probably three or four games where he goes out and drops 20 off the bench, but. There were I think at the beginning he was one for twelve. I think at the beginning of the season they're going to miss him because you're going to have so many new guys you're breaking in. Having someone who had already been on the team for what two years? He he was he came in at semester the previous yeah. season. So, he, so he, yeah, I look. I don't think he was going to be. He was never going to be a starter. Let's just start with that. He was not going to start on this team. And I think that he wants to. Um, and going to Penn State, there's a good chance he will. Um, I think he was a contributor next season. I think he would have oh, been I think one so of the guys. Too. Yeah. And again, I think early in the season when you're trying to break in all these new guys, having someone who's familiar with the program and has been here for a while and is in, and is, is in a good spot um, would have been valuable early in the season. But you look at what they're bringing in, and for long term, you you kind of get the feeling that Jones realized that if he saw playing by the end of the season, he probably wouldn't get to see the court much unless he was just awesome. And I, I kind of wonder, you know, you see a lot of these guys transferring out because of the, the new guys coming in. And I'm always curious how much it's their decision and how much coaches are going like, yeah, you should probably transfer. I've, yeah. That's always been something that's very curious to me, especially like, I mean, he did it pretty early on. It wasn't like, you know, the freshmen were on campus and he saw, the, you know, what was going on and saw the competition and then decided to transfer. Um, it's not like – because that happened, I believe, with Lucas Kassan last year. He was uh, still around during the summer, and then once a Nay and Kalu and a couple of those got in, then he transferred. So that could have been just an early, you know, uh, precursor to the fact that your Nay is actually pretty damn good, which was what we saw this past year. So Oh, yeah. So who knows? Uh, you know, he did it pretty. I think it was right after Chris Harris committed that he transferred, that he entered the portal. So, honestly, I think people were a little too hyped about Curtis Jones coming in because he'd been a high 
high rated yeah. recruit when he got right. to Indiana, but he didn't do anything at Indiana that got you like, excited. And then he got here and was like, Oh, he could be. And you watched him play and you were like, he should have gone to the basket more and he tried to shoot a lot of threes and he wasn't great at it. And I mean, even but think about this, even when they were down to seven scholarship players, he didn't get very many minutes. I know. And if you're not getting a lot of minutes when there's no one to compete with minutes for, right. you're probably not going to get a lot of minutes next season when there's a lot of guys to compete for minutes for or compete with minutes for. So right. I don't think it's a big loss for them. Again, I think it would have been nice to have him early in the season where they're trying to get things figured out and trying to get some wins and 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 new guys accustomed. But I think by the end of the season, he, would, he wouldn't. I mean, if you're not getting minutes when there's – six other guys on the roster. I I, yeah. I don't think you're going to get minutes next year when there's as talented a, res, a recruiting class as is coming in. For sure. Like I, and I, I didn't want to make it seem like I didn't think he would ever contribute. I just don't know if we would have gotten anything more out of him than what we got last season. If maybe a little bit more, but I don't, I don't think it would have been much different. No. No. Uh, let's see here. Where are we going next? Uh, Samantha Shaw was on uh, Sesame's Family Barbecue for uh, Cut Four, MLB Cut Four. She did an interview with them talking about bat flips and all that stuff. It's so cool seeing her get all that notoriety can still, uh, and to see her still on campus and she's going to work with the team next year. I think that's really awesome. Uh, yeah, that is her, awesome. You know, get, get all the notoriety she's gotten is really really cool. Yeah, uh, there's a great article from Twenty Four Seven. I think we'll have it in the um, High Noon highlights. Well, I'd say tomorrow, probably today. Um, 24 seven put out an article basically saying Tylen Wallace is like about to become a household name. Uh, and he should Tylen Wallace is going to be one of the best. I mean, is one of the best wide receivers in the country and will be this year. And I think this is a year people are going to know who he is coming into the season and he's going to get talked about a lot. Be prepared for a lot of talk about Tylen Wallace and how awesome he is all season long during OSU games and on here. Um, yeah, we'll probably talk about him a few times, once or twice, I'm sure, during the podcast. Well, at, at least once or twice. <laughs> yeah, um, like once or twice a week. Yeah, more than likely. Um, so I'll, I'll go around just because baseball is where my head is, uh, obviously. Uh, I'm going to go just kind of down the line for a second. Uh, Jonathan Heasley, former Oklahoma State pitcher, named the South Atlantic League All-Star down in Low A, uh, representing the Lexington, Lexington Legends, Kansas City Royals organization. Uh, he's having a fantastic season, really working his way up for a promotion here pretty soon. Donnie Walton, sec- former second baseman, dad's the pitching coach. He's in double A with the Seattle Mariners playing for the Arkansas Travelers. They were just named the first half uh, division champions in the Texas League, so they clinched a playoff spot. And he's having another fantastic season, and I wouldn't surprise me to see him up in AAA here pretty soon. And Trey Cobb, friend of the podcast, friend of the site, uh, he just started playing catch again after Tommy John surgery, just did that yesterday. So he's on the mend and on his way back. So that's some, that's your uh, Oklahoma State Down on the Farm report, at least for now. I, I assume that we'll have more now that we got uh, probably eight to ten guys that are going to go pro here from this team this season. That's the Oklahoma State Farm report brought to you by. Yeah, exactly. That's funny. Very nice. Um, it's the off season. I think about the last thing we need to do to wrap this up really is, um, sure, you're getting married this weekend. Yes, I am. Yep, Saturday night I will be. Uh, I'm getting married here in Stillwater. Tying the knot, attaching the old ball and chain. Yep. Throwing away the freedom. Every other metaphor. Yes. <laughs> uh, you've you guys have moved in, and uh, you, 
She has uh, begun what is a lifelong uh, uh, decorating. It yes. never ends. Yep. It never I, ends. I, Just be I, weird. It, you're like, she's, she started decorating. I was like, she didn't start decorating. She has begun uh, a lifetime of decorating. That's, yeah. that's all. I don't mean to be sexist, but like, come on. Like, no, you're, no, you're right. We've been in for, I think this is day four now. And I mean, it, the entire living room and kitchen just looked like Hobby Lobby threw up everywhere. Um, and I know that that won't change, uh, considering I've made about two dozen stops there, uh, for last, any sort of last minute wedding decorations you can possibly think of. Um, I know that store, uh, forwards, backwards, inside out. Uh, I, and that was something I never intended for to ever happen ever really. So I'm learning very early on uh, what it's like to be married very, very quickly. Oh, young Padawan, you have a lot to learn. <laughs> I have a lot to learn. I know I do. But yeah, no, it's very exciting. So I will be uh, we're recording this now so that uh, I can have this up before the festivities really begin on Friday with all the family and friends coming into town. And then I will be back hopefully uh, not next week with the following. And we will continue with our off-season chatter, which will really just us hitting, be hitting record and seeing where it leads. And I will try to have something next week with someone, so it's not just me rambling to myself. I don't know who that'll be, just heads up, but yeah, we'll figure it out. Well, I'm, I'm excited to see who you get as well, because more than likely I'll be listening somewhere uh, as I sit in uh, Palm Springs, California on a balcony with hopefully a beer in hand. Mmm, Beer. That we might have to just do a, f- a full podcast on beer at some point. I'd be perfectly fine with that. I'm sure people would appreciate our beer takes far more than our uh, OSU sports takes. More than likely, yes. Um, yeah, I, you and are also AIDS. Just, yeah. So I'll, <laughs> we'll, I'll talk about this on air because you know we talk about beer off air a lot. But I I love like IPAs and sours and like all that kind of stuff. I've never liked stouts ever. Like it's just something I've just never enjoyed. But I found a stout yesterday. I did a build your own six pack at one of the stores in town, and I got a raspberry milk stout from Left Hand Brewing, and oh my god, it was glorious! Like that, that completely like opened my eyes up to it. I, I will say that, and I know you're proud of me because I know that's th- something you very much enjoy. I'm proud of you. I am. Yeah, that that was. I, it was impressively good. I got it because it looked interesting, and it turns out it was actually really good. So we'll we'll see what else we uh, we find during the week. We might just have to open up every episode with what's the best beer we've had this week or something like that. Ooh, I like that. We, that could be just like a little brief segment we can start doing from now on. So we'll preview yeah. that now, I guess. All right, that's enough. Let's get out of here. Right. Let's get out of here. Where can everyone follow you on Twitter, Philip? Uh, you can follow me personally at OKTXARPoke for usually good takes, but occasionally bad emotional ones. Follow me at JT Penfield. Be sure to follow the main site at Cowboys RFF. And Philip will be back next week. I'll be back in a couple after uh, the wedding and honeymoon and all that good stuff. And we will see everyone next time. 